Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we have an episode for you guys. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, Joanne made an announcement, which I'm going to ask her to make that same announcement right now, (laughs) and then we'll get into it. I did make an announcement recently. So it's so funny because the announcement I made on Instagram is um, I did this reel. Uh-huh. I think it was six months ago, my husband, Mike, and I, we did like that, it's tricky, chick, chick, like, you mm-hmm. know, that song. I remember that, really? yeah. And um, it was like a this or that kind of thing. And we were doing like kids or no more kids. Uh-huh. So of course, my husband was like the no more kids side. And I was like, mm-hmm. kids, you know, uh-huh. whatever it will be. I've always been of the mindset of whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So whatever. And then, so here we are six months later, and I am pregnant with our fifth baby. So, yay! Congrats! Congratulations to you. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations to you. Thank you. So, I know when you had announced that, you know, my mind started racing. My mind actually Mm -hmm. started racing on Jalen, which Uh was the last child you had before being pregnant with this one. Uh-huh. And I just started thinking, you know, like, what is, like, everyone talks about that pregnancy is all roses and lollipops, and it's just like the greatest thing on earth, but there's a ugly side to pregnancy and having a baby. Right. So I want to, I want to discuss that today. Yeah. I want to get all the information from you. Cause I mean, I think you're a pro, you're a pro, you're experienced. No, no. I mean, I'm experienced. This is true, but I don't see myself as a pro. I, it's always actually that that's my uh, view of life. Anyways, it's always in mm-hmm. a learning process, ongoing process. So for me, I don't feel like I'm a pro. I'm I'm handling it. I'm mm-hmm. I got control of things. Uh-huh. That's for the most part now. For the most part, there's aspects of my life because I'm like as a mom, and what you're saying in regards to people acting like it is all roses, they lying. That's just Mm. social media, uh, you know, putting a twist and making things look like they're rosy and stuff. But real moms will tell you Mm. it ain't, it ain't what it's meant. It ain't what people be cracking, you know, making it um, out to be during pregnancy, postpartum, raising Mm. kids, girl. Mm -mm. It's a whole nother playing field. It's a whole nother playing field. It's a whole nother. And when people tell me they don't want to have kids, I do not look down on them at all. Hmm. Because I feel like that's a decision that you make for yourself and your your life, your spouse, your significant other. And if you guys choose not to have kids, that is all right by me because it is a selfless decision. Because hmm. once you have kids, you are no longer priority. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So let's talk about that first trimester. So okay. I have seen multiple people on social media make it seem like in the first trimester, besides the morning sickness, your hair mm-hmm. is flourishing, your skin is glowing, your mm-hmm. nails are the longest they have ever been. Is this the <laughs> truth or is this only part of the truth? I think it's part of the truth. I think every pregnancy is different. Every person is different in how their pregnancy goes. Um, I'm on my fifth pregnancy right now, and I feel like it's all been different. Mm. Now, I feel like during the start of the boom of um, natural hair, 
everyone wanted to be going, going natural and stuff like that. There was like a boom of supplements, like hair and nail supplements that people were pushing out. And, and you know, when I was in the clinical setting, people would ask me, so what do you think? Do you think this product is better? Do you think this product is better? And I'm like, listen, if you are deficient, you are deficient. Mm-hmm. You're deficient in vitamin E, you know, vitamin C, any of the, you know, hair, nails, vitamins, you're going to have issues. Your hair is going to fall out. Your nails are going to be brittle if you're, uh, you know, deficient from the get-go. So, of course, if you add uh, supplements to it so you can, you know, remove yourself from that deficiency, you're going to see a change, right? So I think it's the same thing with um, your pregnancy. I think that my skin glows because I get oily as heck. Um, I'm not going to say I'm at a hundred percent with all of my vitamins prior to pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not deficient in anything. I'm um, not that I know of. I don't know that I'm deficient in anything. Usually I have a vitamin D deficiency and I do not have a vitamin D deficiency. Probably since I've been popping vitamin D for the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> but, um, I think, I think that everyone is different. Every pregnancy is different. And if you see somebody's hair is growing long, their nails are growing long. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the same um, results when you're pregnant. And if we talk about like old uh, wives tales Mm -hmm. of them saying like, if you're having a boy versus if you're having a girl, like you look different um, or your nails. I think they say if you're having a girl, like you get ugly or something like that, like acne pops out, Mm -hmm. your nose, your face spreads and all that. And then if, if it's the opposite, then you're having a boy. So there's so many things out there that talks about why your nails are growing and why your skin is, is, is glowing. I say, you know, prior to pregnancy, and we always recommend this, like prior to pregnancy, make sure that you're already, if you are tr- going to be trying soon, making sure that you're already on a prenatal vitamin that has um, the necessary nutrients for pregnancy and get your body ready. And you may not see that much of a difference when you do get pregnant because you're already where you need to be. That's true. That's what I think. So, That's what I so let me ask you this. So I know that there's this TikToker. I can't remember her name, but she stated that all, she's like, what, 36, 37, all her teeth fell out Girl. when she started having mm. kids. And I was like, because, you know, I know, you know, I did some work with the Mexican population. And after they had children, you know, their Mm -hmm. teeth, the calcium, the baby leeches the calcium from you. But she said Mm -hmm, all her teeth mm -hmm. fell out. So what is the deal with that? Do you think it's pregnancy related? Girl, I know who exactly you're talking about. I can't remember her full handles, Princess Something. And I feel like we need to do a complete podcast on that, (laughs) on deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies and how fast they can occur. And if what she's saying is true, what I remember, what I read is she said after she had, I don't know if it was her first, second or whatever kid, she was, she was not eating well during pregnancy. And so all of her teeth fell out. Now she could have had a predisposition. Who mm. knows? You can never say something is hundred percent false, but I've seen people who are pregnant who just eat whatever they want. Right. They have right. no nutrient dense foods. In, in the meals that they're eating and none of that happens to them. Like they don't have teeth falling out, hair falling out, you know, or any of that are occurring. So I don't know if she already has like a condition right, right. or some kind of calcium deficiency already, but for all your teeth to fall every out. Every single last one. Every single last teeth to fall out. 
And then I don't know if she, if she said the same thing. Like she has skin issues as well. I don't know if she. I don't remember her saying that that was into the pregnancy. But I, I don't. I don't really believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe that. I'm, I'm not saying that it's impossible. But I'm like, goodness, all your teeth fell out from the baby leaching the calcium. Like you must really have been deficient. But and then again, I've mm-hmm. seen folks. You know, when I was in the hospital. I, the youngest I've seen have a baby in the hospital that had to go educate, which was bogus because what does a 12 year old care mm-hmm. that I'm about to tell them about their postpartum nutrition. But I had a 12 year old who um, came, had just, had just had a baby. What? 12. Yeah. 12. And she, I feel like she, if I remember correctly, she had hit the pregnancy from um, her family for the most part. And so that to me told me that she wasn't really receiving the proper care, prenatal care. So her baby came out perfectly fine. She had all her teeth when she had the baby. So girl, I don't know. Gotcha. I'm going to go with, I don't know. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I side eye her, <laughs> the, the TikToker. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. That, that is, it was something for me to really take in because I mean, it's something that we don't see often people complaining about their teeth falling out. I've heard of cavities, increased cavities, Mm -hmm. but not like your Mm -hmm. whole teeth just falling out at 36, 37 years old. Right. But I will say that I do um, agree or feel like my teeth are more sensitive because, you know, when you're pregnant, that volume builds up in your body Mm. of plasma and, you know, blood and all that stuff. And so, like, I, I noticed that my teeth are more sensitive mm-hmm. when I'm pregnant than when they're not, hmm. when I'm not pregnant. Interesting. Very interesting. I never knew that. So, all right, ladies, you hear that? If you haven't been, been pregnant or plan on getting pregnant in the future, like me, sometime, <laughs> uh, teeth sensitivity is real. It's real. So, let's move on and start talking about certain areas of the body. So, we're, we're going to get a little... What would you say? PG-14, PG-13? <laughs> well, this is a wellness program, uh, podcast. So <laughs> everything is, is on the table to be talked about. Exactly. So let's talk about constipation. Mm. The elephant in the room. I feel like no one talks about constipation. Like, is, is it real or are you just going on the pot and moving like your bowels regularly? Hell no. Like, how do you... Uh, <laughs> What was your experience and how did you combat that? Listen, so I have irritable bowel issues from, you know, even when I'm not uh, pregnant. So uh-huh. I, um, I would say I'm constipated all the time. I'm not, but mm-hmm. I, I have to be very proactive. So I, I am not constipated. I think more so than somebody who, you know, is, don't have irritable bowel issues. And so for me, mm-hmm. When I get pregnant, and any other pregnant person or person who's been pregnant out there can attest to this, your your mm-hmm. the baby sits on everything. So if you think about it, the bigger the baby gets, the baby is sitting on your bowels somehow, or pushing, kicking, or whatever. And then not only that, when you get pregnant, your digestive system slows down a bit. It doesn't, um, you know, move as really? fast as it did before. It's slowing down. And so because of that, you feel fuller, faster, um, you're mm-hmm. nauseated, 
um, most of us are during the first trimester. And so all that makes you don't want to eat, don't want to drink. So you're not hydrating well. You're not getting fluids from the foods that you're eating either. You're not getting enough fiber. Um, so all of that basically is a recipe for constipation. And it is real. It wow. is real. I say you got to do what you got to do, how and when you can do it. If you mm-hmm. can't drink enough, sip if you can, like do what you can. And then mm-hmm. hopefully during the second trimester, things you know slow down, mm-hmm. the nausea allevi- alleviates and you're able to eat better, um, add more fiber and increase your water intake. For me, I've been doing chia seed and everything like chia seed, hot cocoa, hot carrot, nice. chia seed smoothies, like to increase my fiber and you know, get like a bang for my buck, even for like an eight ounce drink, I can get 10 grams of fiber mm. in there so that I can help with the constipation issue. But yeah, it's real. It is real. Hey guys, if you're like us, you love using cleaning products in your home that does not have any harsh chemicals. If you have never heard of Branch Basics before, you're going to be so thankful Kim and I introduced you to them. Branch Basics is plant and mineral based, fragrance free, has no harmful preservatives, is human safe, biodegradable, not tested on any animals and is non-GMO. These cleaning supplies make safe cleaning so simple. Now, here's what sold us when we started using Branch Basics. You know how when you buy a product that is supposed to be green and you go in to use it and it doesn't get the job done? Well, Branch Basics actually gets the job done. From bathrooms to high chairs, kitchen counters, and kids' toys, it gets the job done and we love it. If you want to try it out yourself, Go to branchbasics.com and use the discount code Nutrition Lifestyles to get 15% off their starter kit. You are going to be so happy you took us up on this offer. Wow. So so with the constipation issue, like if like how, how real are hemorrhoids? I've I've never Is- had hemorrhoids, thank God. But I've heard of people who have. So if you have um a history of that already, that puts you at high risk. Mm-hmm. Higher risk of developing hemorrhoids or them coming, um, triggering them back out. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never had it and I don't think everyone gets it, of course, but it's, that can Mm -hmm, happen mm -hmm. as well. That definitely can happen. And I'm sure for those who've had it, it's a pain in the butt, literally. Wow. Wow. You know, I remember I was speaking to this, um, (laughs) you're so pain (laughs) in the butt, literally. (laughs) <laughs> I, ju- I just caught that. Sorry for the delay, guys. <laughs> I was speaking to this doctor at work and, you know, he, he said something which I didn't even think about. He said a lot of people don't realize that when a woman is pregnant, how quickly their body changes in a period of 40 weeks is basically like a progression of a disease condition, like how rapidly. So he was like, you know, our healthcare system doesn't pay attention to, uh, as much as it mm-hmm. should to pregnant women, but it needs to because there's these changes right. that are taking place so rapidly. And I remember one of the changes you experienced, Joanne, your last pregnancy was nerve pain. Oh, yeah. Correct me I've if I'm wrong. just about every one of them. Every one of the pregnancies. What? Yeah. Was it, sci- sci- it was sciatica? sciatica? You know, I was in a car accident when I was 12 or around that age. Um, mm. I had three slip discs in my back and the sciatica wow. can come back 
Um, you know, I've had therapy and all that stuff. But when you're pregnant, again, pressure, your body is tilting forward. Your sense of gravity is different than it is when you're not pregnant. So all that, you know, is your like you're trying to combat being tilted forward. Um, the pressure mm-hmm. on your on your back and on your slip discs. It can cause, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trigger everything to reactivate. And so, yeah, I've had it. It's usually down my left leg. Last pregnancy may have been the only one where my leg was given out on me. Like my left leg was given out on me. I had a... What? I was going to work um, when I was going into clinical setting with a, um, a crutch. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was. I Are was. you serious? And the thing is that I should have kept, like, I didn't get to my chiro- chiropractor until maybe 35 weeks last time i should have went earlier Mm. and this time i'm gonna go earlier i need to go next week or something i need to start back over so that i can get myself Mm. prepared and ready because with my history my spinal injuries um you know like baby number three was breached because my hips were misaligned and every time he tried to bob down you know he would bob back Mm. up because it was uncomfortable for him. So he was breached and the chiropractor did this Webster technique for breech babies um, therapy on me. And that's what got him to flip back over. But if you get that adjusted and handled early, most likely you may not have that issue with the misaligned hips and, and stuff. But yeah, that that was painful. Because even when I laid down, wow. like, I had to lay down in a certain position. The pressure was on the sciatic nerve. It was horrible. That was mm-hmm. horrible. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. This is definitely the ugly side uh, of pregnancy. For yeah. real, for real. So so when you said when you would lay down, you'll feel the nerve pain. So did, did that interrupt your sleep? Oh yeah, that would interrupt my Whatsoever? sleep. Whatsoever? I had, um, I have a, what are they called? The, the body pillows? I have like a long... Yeah. C shape or J shaped uh, pillow, and that would help me be able to like, like right now, Mike, my husband, be like, he got a fort around you because I have so many pillows. Around <laughs> me. I got my, my body pillows. I have like four or five like regular pillows because you after a certain point you're not supposed to be like laying on your back to sleep because you uh-huh. don't want the baby to press on. Something that you don't want them to lay on. It's an artery that you don't want them to lay on. When you're laying on your back, it causes them to lay on it. And that can be disastrous because they're not getting the supply that they need. So you're not supposed to lay on your back um, at a certain point when the baby is heavier. So I'll have a pillow on my back so that if I'm turning in the middle of the night, the pillow stops me from turning um, towards my back. Right, right. Um, I have the J pillow in between my legs. And then it's, it's yeah, it would interrupt my sleep. And I mean, your sleep is interrupted anyways, even if you didn't have sciatica, because you got to pee all the time. Mm-hmm. You're waking up to pee. First trimester, mm-hmm. you're peeing all the time. I was peeing all the time. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the second trimester, you start to get a little bit better with that. But then the third trimester, mm-hmm. as the baby gets heavier, you're in the bathroom all over again because they're heavy, pushing wow. on your bladder, and you are all the time so your sleep is definitely interrupted the good thing is during the day when your body wants to sleep whether you want it or to or not you will just fall knock and knock out like this time around what so like like narcolepsy like yeah right 
like this time around, you know, the kids are, were at home for digital school, and I'll sit on the couch, and next thing you know, I'm waking up to mommy, and I'm like, what just happened here? Like, I didn't even know I fell asleep. Oh, my god! But this baby zapped me out. Like, I was tired this time. Wow. Yeah, I was tired a lot. Oh, my gosh. So, so during the pregnancy, one can expect constipation. Yeah. Some women may experience hemorrhoids, mm-hmm. definitely lack of sleep and the fatigue from oh, yeah. that, and the nausea, and possibly teeth loss. So that's what I'm getting from you in regards to- I don't to know about the, the, the teeth loss. That's, it's, possibly. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I guess anything is possible. I've never experienced that. Thank God. <laughs> oh my gosh. So so let, let's move on to actually having the baby uh-huh. now. So I, I have seen this on 100% of women that have had children. I even saw it on you. And uh-huh. honestly, I didn't realize until I saw it on you and you had pointed it out. And you were like, see, Kim, my eyebrows are falling there off. And I'm like, what? There like, you know, I'm expecting, you know, shedding of the hair, but your eyebrows. Your edges. So, like, do other body part hairs, like your well, arm, I hardly your leg. have any hair on my rest of my body like I'm I've always been like bald I mean you can see the hair on my skin are brown so you can see them because of their Mm -hmm. reddish brown color but they're very small and that's why I'm not one of those people that need to shave like all the time I don't have a lot of hair so I Mm -hmm. I couldn't really tell you whether it was affecting that that area of my body or not the other parts of my body but my edges girl I think baby number three like I had this whole you know how men be having like my sister-in-law calls like the monkey booty the receding hair line. loss. <laughs> oh my I had this whole like area right here in the front at baby number three that was lost. I was like, oh my gosh, this whole thing is gone. This Jalen, I lost my eyebrows and my eyelashes. I've never had that before. Wow. And and when I would look myself in the mirror after I had the baby. I knew I looked funny, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell why was oh I looking weird until one day it struck me, you ain't got no eyebrows, girl, nor do you have any eyelashes. Oh my God. <laughs> That's why you look funny. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And then we went into a pandemic. I didn't really have to worry about it because everybody was looking busted in the last year yeah. and a half. So, yeah. but yeah, I lot you lose, you can lose. And then I've heard people, I feel like I don't remember baby number two or the baby number one losing that much. So I don't know if this is a progression thing. Lord, this baby, I better not lose a whole bunch of hair and stuff. But yeah, I think baby number three was the first time I saw a shedding like significant. And then Jay, I, I saw my eyebrows and lashes go, but I don't know if my edges went as bad as they did uh-huh. with Juju. But you had you have protective styling in though. I do. I always have protective styling when I'm pregnant. Um, because who got time to be doing their hair? But when you take it out, girl, if your roots are fall, if your hair is falling out, it's gonna fall out once you start like. And then it's not even immediate either. Like you don't see it the minute the baby comes out. It could be like three months later. You're like, oh shoot. My hair is shedding. How long did it take you for your eyebrows and your eyelashes and your hairline to come back? Um, Again, we were in the pandemic, so I haven't really paid attention to it. Um, Jay was, what, six months? Seven or eight months when we officially started the pandemic. So I can't tell you. I didn't pay attention. That's interesting. But it comes back. I mean, 
I, I put I cast the oil that stuff up. I, I have these little Haitian remedies. I get it together. <laughs> Would you say it came back with the same density? Um, I got really thick hair, so it's dense. But I gotcha. still feel like compared to my twenties or like my late mm. teens, my eyebrows are very thin. And, and, and these mm. damn boys I have including my mm-hmm. husband, they got eyebrows for no reason. Like, they're things are nice and thick. I'm like, you know what I could do with this? You know how mm-hmm. I can arch these <laughs> things up? And they, they got <laughs> lashes that curve out. Like, I'm like, why I got these things for? And here I am with my balding eyebrows and my barely there lashes, and y'all sitting here wasting them. The things that women have to go right. through. That's true, though. Guys, they always have the thickest hair, the most perfect eyebrows. Right. Eyebrows, mm-hmm. yeah. eyelashes, they do. And their skin. And their skin. And you be like, oh, what's your, what's your skincare routine? Water. Water and soap. Like, they don't okay. do nothing. The stuff my husband does, because I buy them, like, hey, we're about to turn 40. I, I did I, uh-huh. I specifically did this this year. I said, we're about to turn 40. We need to go in with a bang. And so I got a like, specialty specific to our skin type. Um, skincare products mm-hmm. to get ourselves together. And he's been more on it than I have. He don't miss a beat. Nice. And I'm sitting here. <laughs> I be forgetting. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So let's talk about the instead of the hair, let, let, let's move down the body. Mm-hmm. Let's move down the body a bit. And let's speak about the vagina. Okay. The vagina. Whew. Okay, so prior to this episode, prior to us pressing recording, you sent me a simulation video oh, yeah. of a mannequin giving birth. Oh. And I'm I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so yeah, the vaginal opening really stretches. Oh, yeah. It stretches. So I want I want you to talk about when you first saw yourself giving birth. Like, let the people know what that's like. Well, baby, my first child was a C-section, so I didn't see that one. Um, the second one happened pretty fast because I labored at home for a longer period because I didn't want to spend a lot of time laboring in a hospital. So when I got there, within three hours, he was out. There was a, And I was in pain because I was um, going... Uh, medicine free or whatever it's called mm-hmm. no medication and so it was my first experience with that and I was like oh my god I don't want this uh, you know and, and, and I didn't have time to say can I have the mirror so I can look at it and then so mm-hmm. baby number three was breached and so when we got to the hospital he went from being a total like 180 from what he is supposed to to being in the transverse, I think they call it. So his head was like facing the sides, my sides, like his head and his booty was facing the sides of my belly. And so although my hips were now aligned, he hadn't, he was too big to turn on his own. So the doctor, she flipped him on her own. Mm -hmm. um, She flipped him in the hospital and he stayed. So to do that, they had to give me an epidural just in case things went crazy. So I ended up not, um, I didn't see that one either. I guess I could have, but I didn't see because that was like my most laxed labor thus mm-hmm. far. And um, so I had them vaginally as well. This one, this last one that I had, maybe number four, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get the mirror out. We're going to see everything and all that stuff. Now, my husband has been at every one of these births. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what mm-hmm. <laughs> he does because what I saw with that mirror girl, I was like, oh, <laughs> hell no. 
<laughs> so they brought the mirror out and, you know, I was, um, you know, going medication free again with this um, baby number four. And so, you know, that allowed me to be able to walk around the room and, you know, do all the stuff that I can do to help uh, progress my labor. And so when it was time to push, she was first, she was like, why don't you just try pushing? Just, you know, standing where you're at, just give a little. Uh. And I was like, huh? While I'm standing? Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, girl, because I, I, I like the y'all hold on to my legs and I'm going to, you know, give this the yeah. push of my life. I don't know about the standing business. I don't feel right. Like, I compare pushing to how you push when you're pooping. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I don't poop standing up, so I don't know how right, I can control. Right. And I'm sure that people, others have more control over this, but I've had a diastasis. Um, from all of my pregnancies and then you know also because of the fact that I had that that have the slip discs and all that that may be one of the reasons my core is not always up to par like where it needs to be so if your core is strong you may be able to do better than I did pushing I'm standing up I wanted to lay back down and so she was like okay let's you know lay back down I laid back down they brought me the mirror and I, I started to see, you know, I saw myself crowning what they call the um, the ring of fire. That's what they call it. Uh, That's what's supposed to be uh, like burning and all that stuff. This last one wasn't that bad, I, I must say. I don't know why. Um, the pain wasn't that bad. And when I was pushing, pushing actually relieves pain for me. And I've heard a lot of other moms say the same thing. Pushing relieves the pain because your body is doing what it needs to do to get the baby out. But for me, when I push... I push with my eyes closed. I can't open my eyes and push. So when she was like the midwife, she's like, look, look in the mirror and look at what you're doing. Look at the life you're bringing in. I'm like, girl, mm-hmm. I, I'm over here trying to push. And you're telling me to open my eyes. I can't open my eyes and push. You know how people say they can't sneeze with their eyes open or we can't sneeze with our eyes open. I can't push right, with my right. eyes open. So I saw some of it, but I didn't see him coming out like that. Mm-mm. My eyes were closed for the most part. Cause I was busy pushing. So like you saw the crowning, but like you didn't see like the shoulders and how they turned. The- no, okay. I saw the crowning, just like the, the little part of the, the top of the head, but I didn't see the head pop out, nor did I see the rest of the body come out. Cause usually it's like a head pop out uh-huh. and then you push again. And then once they get the shoulders out, it's just like baby slides out. So, and so can you feel when the head comes out? Like you can feel it. Oh yeah. You feel it. Wow. It's not, it's not, um, I wouldn't say it's pain free, uh-huh. but it's not painful like something's tearing through you because the body, you know, your pelvis and everything has done what it's supposed to do and opened up. That's why you're dilated 10 centimeters when you're supposed to be pushing uh-huh. and all that. So it's not like something's tearing through you. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, some people have tears. I have been blessed, thank God, I have not had any tears. The only tear I had was with baby number two, and that was from his nails. They came out so long. Hmm. Um, And that's where the tear came from. That's what they told me. But from pushing, I've not had tears. I've also been, I I do the oil treatments where you oil up your perineum area. I was just about to ask you that. That little tissue in between your anal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that... Is that allowed to be said on here? Girl, say it. Say it. And your vagina. Yeah. Um, 
that area, you know, I, I oil it up. I use castor oil, you know, anything to keep it, you know, stretchy and ready to be able to, you know, right to, to stretch. And so I don't know if that's what it is. Some people probably just have the predisposition. Their, their body doesn't tear and some people do. Wow. I don't know. Oh, but I do anything that I can to prevent that tearing. So how long prior to giving birth do you start oiling down that area? I start probably right like at the third trimester. Okay. Because you don't know when things yeah. are going to happen. Yeah. So I need to get everything together. Gotcha. Because you don't know if you're going to have a, a preemie or, you know, God forbid. So I try to get it together early. Wow. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Things that people don't talk about. I'm telling you, Joanne. <laughs> so so what is the vaginal? Because, okay, I can imagine, you know, your, I don't even know the medical term for it, so forgive me. What, what do you call it? Your vaginal area dilating to 10 centimeters. Uh-huh. A, a whole human head coming out. I can imagine that's trauma for such a sensitive yeah. area. So let's talk about vaginal swelling. Like, how was it? And I want you to go back to your first child now. Well, no, he was a C-section. Let's, yeah, let, I didn't push him. Yeah, let's go to the second child and like, compare it to the third and fourth. How was it with, like, pooing and peeing? Like, was this stuff swollen and... Yeah, girl, that thing is beat up. I mean, you got to think about it. You know, any kind of tissue in your body that has been hit or pounced on or whatever is going to swell. So it gets swollen now that um, I remember my second pregnancy postpartum. I was in the shower showering and I'm like, I'm washing because, you know, we Caribbeans, we got to wash every uh nook and cranny when we take a shower and stuff. Ain't no nothing left behind. I'm sitting here washing my behind. (laughs) And I'm like, why is my butt not where it's supposed to be? Like, why is it so high? Well, it's because they're swelling. So your vagina is area swollen. Mm -hmm. So that pushes where the area of everywhere everything is we're supposed to be at. So your anal area where it's usually at, it's not there. It's pushed up. So it was pushed up higher when I was washing myself. I'm like, why is my butt higher than it's supposed to be? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. It's it's swollen down there. It definitely is. And that's one of the reasons why they tell you to wait six weeks before you have any kind of uh, um, intercourse. Because uh-huh. things need to be healed. They need to make sure that there's no signs of infection. Uh-huh. Um, any of that, you know, can lead to um, problems. So you don't want any of that happening. True. You want you want to make sure everything is where it needs to be before you start depositing or inserting stuff. Right, right. So, okay, so like with the swelling, let me go back to that. So as the swelling subsided, everything went back in its place, in its proper place. Oh, yeah. Everything goes back. Everything goes back. Um, one of the things my mom always says is we, and, you know, like the women in her family, we, we don't have any problems snap, snapping back around there. And... Haitians, and I'm pretty sure Jamaicans and other Caribbeans do the same thing, is we do a postpartum uh, therapy. Uh-huh. And no, it's not double-blinded, randomized, <laughs> controlled trial. It, it, it's something that has been done for generations and mm-hmm. generations, thousands of years um, with through these people. And I'm sure it stems back from the motherland. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there is something just as similar that our people in Africa do. Mm-hmm. But my mom will bring these leaves. They're like papaya leaves, castor oil leaves, mm-hmm. lemon, le- um, lemon, sour oranges, avocado, mm-hmm. 
I feel like I'm leaving some stuff out. And it's like a big pot of what you would, it looks like a big pot of tea. Mm-hmm. And that big pot of tea, she uses it to bathe me, of course, when it's cooled down enough. Um, you can sit on it to allow things okay. to like. Okay, like a sits bath. It's kind of like a sits bath hmm. um, in a full body bath, like relax your muscles. And it's, it's, it's supposed to help you heal and help the body, you know, in the healing process. And so it's been done in my family for generations. And so my mom has done it to me. Mm-hmm. every single pregnancy that I've had. Wow. And so so I don't know if that's the reason why that, you know, we snapped back. Right, um, right. But I'm not taking any chances. And I'm going to keep <laughs> doing it. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, wow, wow. Okay, so that's interesting. So I'm, I'm still on the vagina because mm-hmm. that is the area that a lot of women want to know. So I saw this mm-hmm. OBGYN on Instagram and she just had a baby and, you know, she had on those hospital panties like with the pad and everything. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she said that something that people don't talk about a lot is after you have a baby, you pass really big clots. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, how big are these clots and how long do you bleed? And is it like a period? Oh, you're bleeding. It's not technically a period. Uh-huh. For me, I had clots. I feel like once I leave the hospital, I don't see those clots anymore. Really? Um, Lochia, Lochia. I I can never pronounce that correctly. It's L-O-C-H-I-A. That's what that postpartum bleeding is called. Uh It's not um, your normal period, but it's just like the, what do we call it? It's part of the um, fourth trimester really i don't know why we call it fourth trimester but wow wow but it's part of that you know yeah because your body is just you know releasing everything that it has collected all that blood um but it's not um part of like what your normal period would be i don't remember ever having clots once i leave the hospital that are big Mm -hmm. i think in the hospital i'll feel them like boom really oh my god um (laughs) But then when I leave, I don't have that anymore. But I still have the bleeding. I think you bleed for almost two weeks. Really? You're bleeding. Yeah, so I feel like Is that. it like a heavy yeah. bleed or and is it, it like light? No, it starts off pretty heavy. That's why you got these heavy-duty pads on um, that they give you. And then they give you those mesh-looking, funky-looking underwears because you can bleed through and mess you know, up all your underwears up. So they give you those. And then it helps with nursing being able to tear through them like pull their oh, they're easily yeah. torn yeah. through so that if they need to get down there fast they're able to yeah. um but yeah you 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 have bleeding you have clots that come out Interesting. it's not cute Interesting. it's not cute at all Mm-mm. Interesting. wow okay Ooh. Ooh. Don't be scared. I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this one, Joanne. <laughs> Ooh, because to me that's scary. The bleeding itself is scary. Um, so is that? So let me ask you this. So when you had your first child, who was a C-section, and your other children mm-hmm. who were vaginal, was it the same? Like you just bleed even with a C-section? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because that bleeding is coming from your uterus. So whether you have a C-section or not. It's gonna come okay, out. Okay, so it's not it's not the trauma of the vaginal birth. It's the uterus. No, doing it's not its the thing. trauma. No, not at all. You don't. You shouldn't be bleeding from that at all. Um, 
like with the C-section, you know, I didn't have the trauma of uh, distorted yeah. vaginal and anal area yeah. <laughs> at all, but I still had the bleeding. Yeah. Got you. Ooh, wow. Okay. Huh. So what about vaginal infections, like during pregnancy and after baby? Is like, what's what's the risk with that? Like, is it high? Have you ever experienced one? Because I know um, UTIs are common. Um, yeast infections mm-hmm. are common. Um, ha- I don't know. I've not had any infection. I don't know how common. That that number, I do not know. That would be, I would, you know, an OBGYN question for sure. Uh-huh. For me, I've not had any um, infections. I follow directions. Okay. And if you tell me no sex, <laughs> no sex is happening. Uh-huh. Until you give me the clear, because um, I'm not risking any kind of infections. And plus, like baby number one, mm-hmm. and I, most of my friends across the board will tell you the same thing. It's a shock to your mental state, really? your your body. Like, you don't know. I don't think Mike and I had a full REM sleep for like three months what? after he was born. Really? Like, you're a new parent. You're in a surreal environment now like somebody actually depends on you you're waking up to feed this person um you know you're worried are they still breathing like Mm -hmm. you know you don't sleep well at all so you don't even have time to even want to have sex and in regards to the infections part I did everything that they told me that I needed to do like Mm -hmm. um I had a I have a bikini line incision with the C-section and they told me, you know, not to wet it at a certain time for a certain time. And I did not, mm-hmm. um, you know, they tell you not to sit in water. Mm-hmm. So the sits bath, just to clear up where I'm not sitting in any kind of water. It's the steam correct, yeah. from the sits bath. And then um, the tea bath that my mom gives me again, I'm not sitting in any water. She's pouring things on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the water on me as she's bathing me. So they tell you not to sit in water and all of that for a period of time. And I follow those rules. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good to know. Good to know. So ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen included. Yeah. Definitely. Because y'all the support Yeah, system, exactly. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about sex. Sex after having a baby. Uh-huh. So Ooh. let's talk about your first child who to me, you know, he's the unicorn because he was a C-section. So uh-huh. how was that different from your vaginal births, if there was any difference? Believe it or not, it was um, different. There was differences. Again, most likely because he was my first. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't trying to mess anything up. And so, although I didn't even have a C-section, mm-hmm. um, and they still tell you, even if you've had a C-section, to wait six weeks before you can have sex. Mm-hmm. Um It was like three months. (laughs) Okay. I was like, uh, uh, no, it doesn't. (laughs) I'm not ready. I was really like, I I, I need things to heal better. And then I was, we were tired. We didn't really Mm -hmm. had time or any of that. Um, Baby number two, I can't even remember really well. Yeah, because he he, he tore you up inside with his nails, didn't he? He did. He did. He did. Um, coming out. So, but it healed pretty fast. Okay. It wasn't that bad. Um, I had one stitch that they had to do, but, Mm. um, 
it wasn't even like near where the baby comes out. It was like higher up, but they, they, it healed pretty fast. Um, I can't remember baby three, but Jalen, I could say that I, I now understand when women are like, I can't wait six weeks. My hormones were raging. Really? I don't know why. Wow. I really don't. So that was completely different. I was like, I, I can't last six weeks. I can't. I can't last six weeks. Uh-huh. But I still, I mean, I had to do last six weeks. Again, I'm not trying to get an right. infection or introduce any kind of bacteria. But, um, you know, once things are the way, when once I get to go clear ahead from the doctor, it's good to go. I have no issues, no pain. You're not supposed to have pain if you do something is wrong and you need to go back and see your OBGYN immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's one of the things they tell us for sure. But yeah, everything goes back to normal for me. I don't have any issues, probably why I'm on baby number five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, so that's that's interesting. That's interesting to know. And I think too, you know, as you said earlier, you guys traditionally do all these teas and these baths that have like these medicinal properties mm-hmm. in them that may be beneficial for the body. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like a whole conglomeration of things. So right. after so after each kid, like were you less sleep deprived in regards to like, okay, yeah, we can wait six weeks and not three months? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was less um, sleep deprived because I knew what I was doing. First, I mean, the fourth one that just came, I knew exactly what to do. We, I co-sleep. I know they say not to do it, but mm-hmm. I'm not promoting that either. You do you. Mm-hmm. I did me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for us, co-sleeping works because I exclusively exclusively breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And I do love my sleep. I am not getting up to go sit on no dang um, chair right. to feed the baby. Right. It's not going to work for me. I will not be able to function the next day. Right. So I co-sleep. And I know exactly how I do it. Um, I breastfeed, switch breast to breast, whatever I need to do. Um, so I wasn't as sleep deprived this last one. I knew more what I was doing. We've done it three times before. All right. So, All right. yeah. Okay. So what about your breasts? Like breastfeeding. You said, you know, you're exclusive breastfeeding mom. Like, uh-huh. like someone always on your nipple. Do your nipples Always. get dry and cracked and hurt and bleed? Is it physically they and can. mentally and emotionally draining? Do you, do you yeah. feel like a, a, a walking food truck, Joanne? You are a damn food truck. My mom calls me the cow, the walking what? cow. Especially with J- this last time with Jalen. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, Caribbean her blood. The girl, they ain't got no filter. <laughs> Jalen has been he's the child that I've been with the most. Mm. When I had him, um, I dropped some of my clinical uh, contracts. Mm -hmm. So one of them, I was driving like an hour and a half away. I dropped that. And so I was really away from him only two days out the week um, for about six hours each day up until March when we went. So from October to March, because he was born in August. October to March until we went into down in the pandemic. And then he's been with me like every day. I mean, we've all been home, the whole family. And so he, he went on to, let me see, 22 months of breastfeeding. Wow. So he's been breastfed the longest. Wow. And even now, and the reason I stopped is because 
I got pregnant and I continued even after, you know, I got pregnant, but I was becoming dehydrated. Okay. I couldn't keep up with my water intake because of the nausea yeah, yeah, yeah. and me not eating yeah. in a fiber and fluids and stuff. So I was like, I, and it gave me these horrible migraines. Mm. And I was like, I can't continue to do both. So I had to drop him. And so, and the other thing I noticed is that when I was breastfeeding him is that, you know, the milk is converting in preparation for really? this new baby. So it's becoming more colostrum-like. And so with colostrum, um, when new babies, um, that's the first uh, nutrient that they're getting when they're born, they... Um, it causes your poop to be yellow and looser, uh-huh. like that mustard seed color. Um, so his poop started becoming like that. And I was like, oh, mm. like he was getting loose and all that stuff. So um, one thing I can say is that he's probably going to help me because mm. usually I'm like at least a year, one to three years postpartum from the previous baby when I have the new baby. So mm-hmm. that it's like my, my nipples are virgin yeah, yeah, from breastfeeding. Yeah. They're not used to somebody tugging at it. So he's been, you know, he was breastfed for 22 months. So, so he kind of helped um, that my breasts are not going to be like too unused to somebody tugging at it right, right. when I have this baby. But with Preston, my eldest, it was, of course, the most shocking because it was the, my first experience. Yeah. Preston was in an NICU for tw- uh, 12, 14, 14 days. Mm-hmm. And so I had to bring milk to him. Mm-hmm. Because that was my choice. I could have just, you know, said, just give them the formula. But I wanted to, um, and I think I had graduated from uh, school like a year or two before. So my master's Mm -hmm. uh, graduate professor, he's very infant baby. He's from Ghana. Mm -hmm. And so all that information is like embedded in me. I'm like, I'm going to breastfeed this Mm -hmm. baby. I'm like, y'all better not give him any formula. I will come twice a day. So twice a day, I would go drive to the hospital and bring milk. And so I was pumping um, during that time. And some people love pumping. I hate pumping. Mm. I hate pumping. I hate having to wash all that stuff. It's just too much. Mm. I'd rather just attach it to the breast and be done with it. But I had to pump and bring milk to him. So when he, um, when I would go see him, though, he would latch on in the hospital. Mm. And then, um, you know, when I'd be home, I'd breast, I'd pump to bring milk. So... What happens with cracked nipples and dry nipples is that if you're not moisturizing that area, at least for me, mm-hmm. if I'm not moisturizing it well, um, it can happen. I've not had cracked crack nipples. Mm-hmm. I've had blisters that started to form. And I'm like, oh, no, this is about to get cracked if I don't handle this fast. Mm-hmm. Like the saliva in their mouth can, yeah. you know, it can tend to dry and then, yeah. you know consistent breasting, it can kind of dry that stuff, you know, your wow. nipple area out. And so that's where that cracking and all that can come from. So I use um, a specific breast. Um, I think this time around, did I use Honest brand? I can't remember what brand I use um, this time around, but I use like this. I'm very like, I don't want any kind of just anything going in my baby's mouth. So I want to make sure it's like whole ingredients. Right. So I use something from one of these companies. And so I'll use it, especially if I feel like a blister's coming on. If a blister's coming on, I'll make sure everything is pretty well moisturized and I'll pump that breast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. only. And some it usually takes about a day for it to go away for me. Wow. So I'll pump that breast only, have him feed on the other breast and drink from the bottle from the other breast that I'm pumping. 
and to get the healing going. But yeah, you, um, it could be a shock to people. I mean, some people, they pump exclusively. Mm-hmm. For me, that's just too much. It seems like a lot. And yeah. some people I hear like they're pumping um, in preparation, you know, for going back to work and stuff. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Especially if you have like a, a four months, three months off from work, mm-hmm. your first month postpartum, I, that's my recommendation to everyone and from my experience. Focus on you and baby and removing extra stress. Mm-hmm. And pumping to me is an extra stress that you're adding on because it's more visual when you're looking at the bottle and you're like, oh my gosh, it's only like one ounce. Yeah. Where's all the milk? Not realizing that one ounce is what they're drinking right now. Mm-hmm. You don't need six ounces. That's why your body's not pumping that much. And so you just had a baby. You're tired all the time. Baby's waking you up in the middle of the night. And then you're waking up to pump and you're breastfeeding. You don't need to be doing both. So if you're pumping exclusively, cool. But if you're not pumping exclusively, I think you just focus on breastfeeding and uh, getting your body um, and yourself stabilized mm-hmm. with the breastfeeding part. And then after a month, um, if you have that, you know, not everybody gets a whole three months off because, you know, we lived in the United States of America <laughs> <laughs> compared to other developing developed countries. Um, and so I think you should focus the first month on just stabilizing your breast milk, breastfeeding your baby, resting. And then after that month, when everything is flowing, you can, you know, start preparing saving milk to go back to work. Right, right. So they don't have to put yeah. themselves through the mental stress. Right. It's too much. So let's it's too much. And I see pages on, on online who are recommending them. I'm like, that's too much. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. You know, I was I, I don't even remember what mm-hmm. article it was. I wanna say, you know, I'm not even gonna say what I think it is. But I saw that being a mom in and of itself is like one point five jobs. For women. So I can just imagine. Oh, yeah. Because you're never off. Yeah, never off. So I can just imagine, you know, layering mm-hmm. on an extra mental burden because you're like, oh my gosh, one ounce mm-hmm. may not be enough for the baby. I'm not producing enough. I'm not good enough. You know, all mm-hmm. of that mental anxiety. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. The mental aspect. Um, I can imagine with the hormone fluctuations, there may oh, yeah. have been depression. Uh, Have you ever experienced it? Because honestly, Joanne, like when I watched you with your last pregnancy, you were happy all the time. You were good. And I kept telling you, like, I don't see how you do it. Like, you make this thing look so simple. So simple. (laughs) I can put up a good front. I mean, I wouldn't say I was happy all the time. But I, you know, postpartum depression doesn't always happen immediately. It's not like, oh, I have the baby and I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. It could be months later. I feel like they say, and I may be wrong. I feel like they say anytime within the first 12 months, wow. it would be categorized as postpartum depression. Wow. I feel like that. And I think this time around, I had it um, a little bit. I did. But I don't think it was necessarily only um, having the baby. It was it was other aspects of my life, um, things that were going on that, you know, maybe if I wasn't postpartum at that time, maybe I wouldn't have been depressed. But because I was postpartum, so so much was already going on with my body. And you're in the pandemic. And the added add them together. And yeah. I think that's what may have caused that um, for me. But yeah, postpartum depression is, I feel like there's a stigma. And you see, there's a lot of, and I think we've gotten better with 
with talking about it more everywhere and making it more acceptable, I guess you can say, so that women don't feel like having postpartum depression doesn't make you a failure. It's an imbalance. Yeah. It's a hormonal imbalance. And some people get it. Some people don't. You really don't have any control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on it, you know, there's some things that, you know, they say that you can do to decrease your risk, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But having it does not mean that you are a failure. You've done anything wrong. Um, it's just, again, way of life. Some people do, some people don't. Right. And, you know, I like that post that you just, you know, at the time of this recording, it's at the end of June, 2021. And you had put up a post recently on Instagram, you and your son, um, Uh, talking about, you know, you're doing a good job and, you know, you had your belly out, you had your belly out. (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of moms, a lot of pregnant women need to take that instead of thinking like, oh, you know, I can do a better job. No, where you are right now, you're doing a great job. You're doing a good job where you're at. Right. And pregnant or not, like being a mom, one kid, 10 kids, Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. it's hard. And for me, people are like, Dwayne, you always got it together. You always, you always that. Listen, my house is not pristine, though. Something got to give. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be my mental health. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be my mental health. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be my kids being fed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want them to it be my kids not being happy because I'm not available to spend enough time with them. Well, it may just be my house is unorganized. Yeah, and that's life. <laughs> that's life. And I just step over and keep on. Like my, my husband and I would say this all the time, we'll clean the house top to bottom. It does not last 24 hours right, right. before it's upside down again. Right. I mean, I have four people in the house messing it up right now. Four kids. So what can we do? Like we can't kill ourselves over that. Something got to give. And mm-hmm. rather it be that than, you know, something else, I feel like that would be more important. So for my kids, they're, the toys, Jalen, he'll take the toys from the toy area, bring it into the living room bring it upstairs. Like if you see my house, anything that's a high space, my fridge, desks, armoires, they all have stuff hidden on top. Like Mm. anything that can (laughs) be a hazard to them that we had or anything that he can spill, anything he could, you know, drop paint, like all that is on top somewhere. Um, Cause he gets the things that are on the bottom. Right. So it is what it is. I mean, we are doing a good job wherever you're at. You are doing your best. That's all you can do. That's true. That is true. Mm, You know, I'm glad that you said that because I think uh, the mental Mm. aspect of pregnancy or postpartum is not discussed enough. Women are just expected Mm -hmm. to just, hey, you know, be your normal, happy self. And no, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. And as Mm -hmm. you said, it's a hormone imbalance. It's not anything wrong with the person. It's just hormones fluctuating. So with that being said, Joanne, in closing, is there anything else you want to (laughs) share? Don't be scared, guys. Don't be afraid. I, I, I was telling Kim this. I'm always a person that wants to be of the no. Uh-huh. I need to know what's going on. You need to tell me the next step. Don't spring things upon me. Right. So knowing what you can expect, it doesn't mean that any of the things that we I've spoken about that has happened to me personally is going to happen you know, to you. But you know that it's a possibility. You can expect this or it may occur. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something you need to know. It's not all like um, bad. It's not all great. I mean, you, the joy that washes it all away. And that's why my husband is like, he doesn't understand 
it's like you have amnesia mm -hmm. from this baby that just tore through you. Like, how can you do this again? Mm -hmm. He says that all the time. Because once you hold that baby in your arms, it's like it was, it was worth it. It was worth it. Like everything, all the pain, everything goes away. Like you have this unconditional love for this person that you're now responsible for. And all of the other stuff didn't, doesn't even matter. Mm, wow. That's, it doesn't even matter. Very heartfelt. Mm -hmm. Very heartfelt. So it's worth it. Definitely worth it. Uh -uh. Medication or no medication. C-section or no C-section. Right. And that's everybody's choice. Right. There is no best, you know, you know, better than. Right, right. Um, I think that's everybody's choice, how you want to do it, what you feel like is better, like what your morals, not morals, but like what your um, choices are in life, I should say. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, that's the way I raise my family is I try to be, you know, think about like how my mom and my grandmothers, how they had their kids and you know, how I feel like our bodies are created to, to, to have children. Mm -hmm. I want that mm -hmm. as close to that as possible. That does not mean that I am not willing to have medicine intervene. As you can see, my first child resulted in a C-section mm -hmm. because when the doctor said heart rate is slowing down, slowing down, we feel that, you know, it may become an emergency. God spoke to me mm. and was like, do it now, girl. Right, right. And I was like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and have this C-section. And a good thing that I did at that time, because if we had waited any longer, he may have ended up on a trait. Like, it could have been worse. Wow. I mean, you know, his breathe he couldn't breathe on his own for, you know, almost 14 days. Wow. And so wow. you do what you, you want, you know, what you can. You may want, you may start off wanting to have a non-medicated, unmedicated uh, birth. But then if something happens and you need to, you're not a failure Correct. for Correct. not going through with it or not finishing it up. You do what you need to do to survive and for your kid to survive, your child to survive. Okay? I love that. I love that. You know, everyone has to be in tune with their own yes, personal absolutely. beliefs in order to do what is right for them and their baby. Mm -hmm. So, guys, we thank you so much for listening yes. to this episode, The Ugly Side of Pregnancy, which is actually a beautiful side, yeah. and having a baby. So I really encourage you guys, definitely reach out to Joanne, because you already know I don't have any kids <laughs> yet. So yes. if you are a mom or looking for a support system, Joanne, just repeat for everyone how they can find you on social media. If you're not already following me on Wonderfully Nutritious on Instagram, you can follow me. I um, will be, you know, putting more of my journey out there now that I'm able to function a little bit better. I'll be putting more of my journey out there on Instagram and talking about the things that I'm doing as I go along through these um, trimesters that I have left. And so, you know, and, and even post that. You know, having five kids, five kids, how I'm actually doing this and staying sane for the most part and not wanting to pull my hair out all the time. <laughs> so you can follow me on Instagram um, to see all of that information. Lovely, lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening. And remember to share this episode with an expectant mom or someone who is a mom. As yes. usual, remember to tell a friend to tell their friend about this episode and also to give us five stars. Until next time, bye everyone. Bye guys.